and welcome to Bad Wed and Behead, a podcast where two best friends drink and discuss which characters they want to send to the bedroom, to the altar, or to the gallows. My name is Meg. And I'm Carla. Each week, we select three characters from a movie, show, or book and argue whether they deserve a ring, a fling, or murder. While discussing what we like or don't about each. Nick and Schmidt and Winston in a really big loft. They've got some things and some crap and some things. Three cute nerdy dudes. That's it. That's the, that's the whole song. <laughs> Who's that girl? It's Carla <laughs> and ah! Meg <laughs> and Boobs, which we are. We on this podcast do not play True American. However, we play Bedwetter Behead. And tonight we're talking about three characters from the show New Girl. From 2011 on Fox. Um, I don't know about you. I know. Actually, I do know about you. I absolutely adored the show when it when it first came out. I know that you have some issues <laughs> with Lady Deschanel. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about the elder one, but the younger one, you're not a huge fan of. I've never really watched Bones, and that's my only frame of reference for the other one. So, I don't know. The jury's still out on her. But yeah, yeah, I, I held off on watching New Girl forever because Zoe Deschanel and her whole thing is just too much for me. And I didn't realize just how... It, it's like, you know, like there's some ingredients that you need. Like, um anchovies like for but it, but it, it's great in caesar salad dressing right yeah so yeah so i didn't realize Zoe that be, anchovies she's anchovies <laughs> and everybody else is what makes caesar salad dressing so fantastic i love it i love it that's that's <laughs> such a flattering analogy um before we get too much further i'm meg and i'm carla and we are the boobs. We are playing Bed Webby Head. If you're not sure, uh, with New Girl, with the men of New Girl. Specifically, <laughs> we're playing with Nick, Schmidt, and Winston, who, in my opinion and in Carla's opinion, I think really are the glue that held that show together. Like, we talked, yeah, well, we talked. I talked about New Girl recently on the It's a Phantom Thing podcast, which I was actually really grateful to be a panelist on because I remember I got really annoyed with New Girl near the end of the show's run, and I stopped watching it for a really long time, and I didn't... I was kind of reluctant to rewatch it, if I'm being totally honest, because of that. But me being me, I completely forgot what annoyed me so much about <laughs> it when I was first watching it. I just remember, like, rage quit. You know, I give shows, like, new shows I watch, I will give them, like, a whole season before I'm like, nah, I'm not going to watch that. But if I love a show, it's done. Like, I will cut that show off like Carla cuts toxic people out of her life. <laughs> See, so I think that we're both doing the healthy thing. <laughs> but no, so I rewatched it for it, and I just, I forgot how much I loved these characters. And I'm also really excited to do this episode with you, Carla, and frankly, with just you, because I've missed having just the solo boobs time. <gasps> yes, yes, I we love-, love having our friends on, but we do also, I mean, like, the reason that we created the show was to have 
drinky time and talky time at the same time time. <laughs> yeah, like this is forcing ourselves to, like, here's our appointment to talk to each other. <laughs> yes, uh, because after all, speaking and communicating through 15 different types of electronic means is not enough. Not enough. Not enough. Um, but I was mostly speaking from an editing standpoint. I'm oh, yeah. Well. That it's, just, <laughs> it's just so much easier to do that. Anyway, I remember watching this and I was, because we had talked about doing New Girl and I was going to make you watch it. And I'm glad somebody else made you watch it. Um, <laughs> so it's not counted against um, me. I somebody haven't... else is you. I did not. Yes, you Tiffany did. did. Tiff no, did. No, she did. Oh, no, you're yes, right. she did. You're Tiff right. Because did. you mentioned because Prince. Because I had oh, no. used you wanted... my white people show <laughs> allotment in 2021. I have not even put one show out there for my white people show allotment. <laughs> No, no, no. You're banned until 2023. That's the deal. No. Yes, no. because you got Downton Abbey and... You didn't finish Downton Abbey. I'm not counting that. It counts. It does not. We're not doing this right, <laughs> right now. I, so before we started recording, I was like, this is either going to be really, really quick or it's going to take forever. <laughs> and I'm beginning to see where we are in that situation. But I was re-watching it for this, for, for It's a Fandom thing, and thinking about this, thinking, I, hand to God, don't know if I could marry any of these men. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> love them all so much. This is going to be a really hard one because I don't know if I could marry any of them and I don't want to behead any of them. Right. And even the betting, I'm like, I feel like I'm talking about my like brothers and this feels a little <laughs> icky because I love them. There's only one that I'm like thirsty for a little bit and it's like the schlub. <laughs> <laughs> But they're all so weird. They're all yes. so lovable, but they they're all so out there. So they're so out weird. There. And you know what? Like that—that's part of what I really enjoy about the show is that there isn't really a straight man. You know, like you—you know—conceivably Cece, but even she has like so many things that are just like so out there. They all take turns, kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. I guess they do. The, the quote-unquote normal one and being the weirdo, right? But before we get too into it, I know we aren't playing True American, which I desperately want to play, but not like the weird corporate version that Fox tried to put out. What the but hell what was are, that? What are you drinking, Carla? I'm drinking um, Three Wishes Cabernet today. Cabernet Sauvignon. Because Is one of your wish in my for fridge. more wishes? It's always for more wishes. Just <laughs> an endless supply of wishes. <laughs> that's <But>. not legal <laughs> Shh. that's okay genies aren't even real so i don't think they mind but um yeah so i'm drinking that what are you drinking i'm drinking some corona <laughs> is it you're drinking corona extra because we are because we are so extra i'm drinking corona extra and i will <laughs> not lie to you I have kind of forgotten that there's anything other than Corona Extra, because that's mostly what I see in the stores. That and the Corona Premier, which is like the low-calorie, like lower than Corona Light, low-calorie Corona. So it's it's water and like... It's Bud Light. A natto dye. I don't know. I love Corona, though, so... This isn't even because I don't have anything else in my refrigerator. I have a lot of beer because we had game night last night. You know, like, oh. what do you guys drink? And everybody gave me a different answer. Wow. 
so yeah, that is what we're drinking. I do love my me some Corona. I also love listening to my judgmental, passive aggressive oven talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> so we just did our kitchen remodel, and part of it was we got a new range, and it has Wi-Fi, so it's like a smart range. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool! And I named it Hot Plates because I'm hilarious, and <laughs> you know, I can't just be normal. But something I did not know it does is like it it sends messages to your phone when timers are done and it's done preheating and everything and that's fantastic but it also sends you something <laughs> notifications when the oven needs to be clean and i just got a text message there saying hot plates need some cleaning <laughs> and i feel like it was like you know if you have time or maybe want to get around to that <laughs> <laughs> hey um I see you have nothing going on in your calendar. Perhaps you want to take a minute of your vast amounts of empty hours to clean hot plates. And I looked, and there was <laughs> one thing on the bottom of that oven. Like, quit being so high maintenance, LG. Hot plates. Okay, none of us get cleaned when we're supposed to. <laughs> what? Okay, now we're very concerned about your hygiene. <laughs> Whoa, man, did you mean to reveal that much about yourself? (laughs) I know we've had a bit of a TMI weekend, but still. (laughs) I don't take a shower if I spill something on my arm, is my whole, is what I am talking about. I take showers. (laughs) I'm a clean person. Speaking of super clean people, let's talk about uh, Nick Schmidt. Nick Schmidt. Jesus Christ. Nick Miller. Played by Jake Johnson. I'm going to keep drinking my Corona. Nick Schmidt is their, their ship name, probably. <laughs> you don't even need to combine the names. Schnick. It's just- Schnick. <laughs> And for for the you know the mature and up versions of Vic, it's like schnick at night <laughs> after dark. <laughs> God, I'm hilarious. Okay, so Nick Miller, let's hear let's hear some thoughts. Let's have some conversations. Let's, let's just have a dialogue here. Let's- <laughs> Let's just, let's just have an exchange give, of ideas about you. Nick give me Schmidt. cookie, I get you cookie. Come on, let's just have some. I think that that's really rich of you to say when you're baking brownies and I don't get a single one. So, like, <laughs> yeah, let me shove it through the microphone. They're cream um, cheese brownies. Mail oh my god, I hate you so much. I'm I'm done with this conversation. <laughs> I'm exiting the call. No, I'm not because I'm going to talk about Nick Miller and Nick how. Schmidt. <laughs> and how filthy an animal he is. He's so gross. Like, for most of the show, until, like, he gets his book deal and whatever, and you get to season seven. And season seven, he's, like, groomed and cleaned, and his stubble looks intentional versus <laughs> the result of somebody who just can't be bothered. Hey, blame the writers. Like, I actually do... <laughs> I actually do I think the writers yeah. were just like, I don't know what the hell we're supposed to do with this character. I love Nick. I think he is so, I think of the three of them, he is probably, I want to say the most realistic in just that his quirks and foibles, like Winston has some very weird, <laughs> very <laughs> weird out there foibles. For a character that started things. out so bland. 
They and really so, went yeah. a whole other direction. Yes, but Nick is someone I would I think I recognize more from just kind of reality. Oh, is he, he also somebody who doesn't clean himself? <laughs> sad grumpy old man and i feel like i see so much of myself in nick as far as just being a grumpy old man like when he talks about finally growing into his personality and yelling at kids to get off his lawn i'm like that's me mm-hmm. <laughs> same although i have a like ever so slightly more ambition than nick and like and there are snails that have more ambition than nick Although you think about it, though, he does buy the bar, he does sell the bar, he does write True. books, he's able to lend Coach, like, $70,000. Mm-hmm. So, like, he gets it together. And I thought it was really cool and important that they that they did mention that he passed the bar, so he technically, he could practice law. He was, he was a lawyer, he just didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Which... I mean, that's a whole other, that's a whole other problem as far as the ambition goes. And it's nothing against bartenders, of course. Bartenders work really, really hard. Just not Nick Miller. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Like, it, it's not about any particular profession. It's about the way Nick Miller approaches everything. Because for him, bartending, is it's what he falls into because he doesn't really have to work hard at it. He can just show up mm-hmm. kind of be mediocre at his job and still get paid. Yeah. Well, and you know, and and he can do a good job. You see him do a good job. And like I said, when he owns it and he starts managing it, you see him really kind of get into his groove a bit because he is like doing payroll and scheduling and making stuff work. It's only when Schmidt starts to really get involved <laughs> yeah. that that he screws Nick up. And I think it's just because Nick's own self-confidence is so low that and he sees schmidt who is making a lot more money than he is although still living with four other people like you're a vp at an ad company and you're okay we're gonna get into how profoundly needy schmidt is later though okay like let's leave that alone. <laughs> yeah, let's, we're gonna step back from that um but i just he's such a sad boy in a lot of ways and i just it it it's not like hot <laughs> But there are parts of Nick and scenes with Nick that are really, really hot. When he kisses Jess for the first time in the cooler, that was super hot. When she's yelling at him because he's getting more ambitious and bettering herself, and she thought thought it was for him, but it was Mm -hmm. because he's got a little crush on Shane. That whole scene was hot. When he calls her a gold digger, which is the funniest (laughs) fucking thing in the world. Yeah. To see like there's some hotness when they ha- when they sleep together for the first time and there's some hotness to Nick. I think he works that's the area I feel like he works fairly hard. <laughs> like the I one just area. That man hardly ever works for anything, but he has hot women keep coming back for more, so I don't know. I don't know. It seemed to me like a series of like one night stands. Like there weren't really a ton of women, you know, tearing down the door for any of the guys, really. <laughs> Whereas Jess was in relationship after relationship. Yeah. But all the guys were like, they couldn't keep a woman at all. 
I will tell you one thing that's very impressive to me, though, about Nick Miller is that he was able to carry an incredibly full glass of milk from the kitchen <laughs> to his bedroom and put it down and not spill a drop. That's a skill. Taking That's it back to the skill. kitchen is going to be a lot easier because we don't know how long the milk's been in that glass. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> and see, like, that again is, is that, that part that they keep bringing in to the mm-hmm. character, that slovenliness and that just, like, refusal to do, to do just really basic tasks is really, really grating. And you know, when you look at the division of labor in the house, mm-hmm. I mean, Schnick, sh- I was seriously going to call him Schnick. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> Nick really doesn't do very much. You know, he, he barely does fixes. To- he, oh my God, he does. <laughs> he MacGyver stuff very poorly. He's MacGruber. He's a MacGyver. Hey, the plumber, MacGruber. the plumber said the soda bottle thing was brilliant. <laughs> And you know what? I was actually surprised that the show didn't pursue that as his eventual, like, thing. I thought it was so funny they had him be a writer. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, it, it weirdly worked, but I I don't know. I Like I said, I, I love Nick, but he's, I don't think he's flawless. That's for sure. <laughs> That's like, for he, sure. He's, oh God, he's a mess. And you know, but, like, where so many shows, when they do f- uh, characters who are flawed, they do it in a way where they can be just really skeevy or gross mm-hmm. or just really immoral. Like, these characters are imperfect and they're flawed in just really funny ways. Yeah. And, and they're, they're in ways that, like, are not ideal to be around, but you also don't want to, like, punch them in the throat. Yeah, well, and and you see his relationship with Jess and kind of the first bout and, like, I loved how they got together right away. I was so excited, I remember, because I was like, oh my god, it's the second season and, and they're going to get the, the OTP together. And then, of course, they did the whole stupid breakups and everything like that. But I think their breakup, actually, I didn't like the fact that they broke them up. I wasn't a big, I wasn't happy with that because I don't like those, that trope. But I think their reasons for doing it and how they did it on the show, like Nick and Jess, I liked that in a lot of ways, but it was also really frustrating because why why can't they communicate with each other? Yeah. Why is Jess suddenly lying to Nick about everything? And, and why is Nick so upset that Jess wants to help him? Although I, Jess's way of helping is really kind of underhanded and babying she had no right to take his money and spend it how she thought he should spend it yeah was she correct was her yes absolutely she was what she thought needed to be done was the right thing to be doing is to take care of responsibilities and help him get ahead but that was not her place that was not her business she had no place going in there and getting it and going for his money but i also think it was really frustrating that nick like how are you 30 years old and you don't have a bank account? Yeah. Like, how is that How is that a thing? Like, if you're a bartender in L.A., you should be making decent money, even in a dive bar. And yeah. that's why he worked so well in that bar. That's why he was able to get away with the stuff he got away with, because it was a dive bar. And that was kind of his stuff. He had his regulars, and they would just come in and sit around and drink all day, and he didn't have to do a whole ton of work. But that was one of the most frustrating things, is, like, he's... He's a smart man. You don't pass the bar without finishing school if you're an idiot. Right. 
But he's also an idiot. <laughs> he's all of these things rolled into one. And he's got all these daddy issues. Oh my god. He had that break in a my show heart of so like much. everybody having daddy issues. He had just like the premier tier level echelon of daddy issues. And yeah, okay, his dad yeah. was scum. His dad was absolutely yes. awful. It's like one of the worst TV dads. But was, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, okay, there's having daddy issues and then there's just there's just being a a leech and being lazy to the point where it's like I'm not gonna like I I I don't think he was a leech. He, he just okay. he didn't want to pay for the whiffy. No, there was a, there were a lot of things though where <laughs> Schmidt stepped in and took care of it because, and it's, it's not even just about the money; it's about like chores and and doing stuff to participate in the keeping up of right of a shared uh, space. Right, and I and I generally agree with you in that, but we also did have an entire episode of that where Schmidt didn't wasn't being allowed to do the stuff that he wanted to do because Schmidt is one of those people who he wants it done his way, his correct way. And if you don't let other people do it their way, then it's not surprising that it tends to fall on you. And that was what the system that they had worked out, the three of them together. And Schmidt preferred it that way. (laughs) Yeah, but like (laughs) Nick wouldn't even keep his space clean and he wouldn't just, it, it was just like so overboard how little this man was willing to do. And how much, and I think that the part of the reason that Schmidt ended up taking over so much is because Nick handed over so much. Yeah. Well, and I think you see a lot of the reasons for that when Nick's dad dies and he goes home and you can see that he goes home and where in his house, he was the, he was the quote unquote man of the house. He was the responsible one his whole life when he was probably way too young to be doing it, taking care of everything with his family because his dad was never there and it's not an excuse but i and i think that's a but i think that's something that needs to be kind of considered when you look at some of his more slovenly ways and he wasn't like that in college mm-hmm. really i think when nick just kind of got lost was when he decided he didn't want to be a lawyer anymore and never really kind of got back from that i think nick has some undiagnosed depression yeah, probably. <laughs> so I'm just choking on my wine just casually over here. That's fine. I, I'm taking it as more time for me to talk. <laughs> <laughs> now, I love him, but on the complete opposite end of the spectrum uh, is Schmidt, who, again, I love. But, oh my god. <laughs> he is a lot. He's so much. He is. So. I, I would lose my mind. <laughs> well, the Living thing is with like- Schmidt. Like I was saying, he has that just, just deeply ingrained neediness where he, he the people yeah. that, that he loves, he loves with his entire heart and with his entire being, but then he also wants that much love reciprocated. And it's mm-hmm. not that people don't love him the same quantity, it's just the, the same volume, I guess. Or to his standards. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, I, I don't he, even know he about has, that. Because... He has really high standards of people and... And I don't think he's wrong to have high standards of them. The one thing that really frustrates me about Schmidt, and it's not Max Greenfield's fault, and yes, Schmidt is played by Max Greenfield, is the whole fat suit situation that they do. Oh god, I hated that so much. That was like you didn't need to do that. You didn't need to have he could have had issues and been like picked on or teased without that. Listen, there were plenty of things to pick on Schmidt about. 
you did not need to do a fat suit for it. And yeah. you don't even need to have a character be, f- be fat for them to have issues. Like, that's not right. how the world works. And like, it, it you just, did it, you did it fine with Nick. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, I, I think it's, it's, it's such a cop out and it's so disgusting to see. It, it just feeds the, the fat phobia that already exists in society. And, um, mm-hmm. it normalizes it also because it's like, oh, well, you know, if they can do it on TV, you know, like if they're doing fat yeah. suits and fat jokes nonstop, because they went through all the way to the finale. It's not even mm-hmm. like at some point they were like, oh, hey, this isn't cool. Like all the way to the finale, they were doing this. And it was just seen as perfectly okay to dunk on Schmidt for, for fatness and for stuff that came from that supposedly when it's a lot of the things are just Schmidt being Schmidt, you know, like his, I, I, I don't think even his neediness came from, from being fat because he was needy even while like at every point that they showed in his life, <laughs> he was so- needed. And it was because his parents were really, really crappy to him because they didn't yeah. give him attention. You know, like that's what causes neediness, not somebody's, weight yeah. or appearance well his dad abandoned him and his mom mm-hmm. just really didn't care you know yeah. she, he was he was more of an accessory to her than a person right and i think that's yeah you're right i think that that's what really drives nick or nick schmidt the two of them have just become like <laughs> molded together into a one Is it because they almost person. got married they're Tinfinity. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so Schmidt is the person who would be, uh, like, would have anniversaries for every tiny little thing, and I would never be able to keep up with it. Right. I, like I said, I, I adore him. I think he's kind of gross with women in the beginning. Yeah. Oh, for sure. He was absolutely awful. Kind of. He's very gross. Now I think about, like, the lost and found box and everything mm-hmm. from his conquest, quote unquote. Yeah. But he really grew into being a wonderful husband and father. Psychotic. Yes. <laughs> he's over. The, he doesn't do anything by halves. Everything. The binder, the over planning, all <laughs> yes. of that would, would like, part of me would be like, that's really hot because it means that's a mental load I don't have to take. But the other right. part of me would be losing my freaking mind. But because, I think that that's why he and Cece work so well together is yeah. because. She's fine with it. She's not only just fine with it, but she loves that about him. You know, she can roll with the fact that he needs to do this. He needs to feel in control, whether or not he actually is in control. And he takes control of things that aren't really that big of a deal. You know, it's not like, like he's controlling her. He's not controlling their daughter. He's controlling a birthday party. He's controlling, you know, He's I controlling wonder, certain things, but events, but not people. I, f- I feel like the douchebag jar should have been like Ruth's college. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, can I just tell you that was my, one of my favorite running jokes, the douchebag jar. Oh, God. I love when they would do like the little things at the end where he would like come out and and it was usually about his clothes or his outfit and stuff like that yeah and it would just be max greenfield going through a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> that would get make schmidt throw money in the douchebag jar but yeah so he is a very good friend but he also runs roughshod over people a lot and that's one of those things that is kind of frustrating you talk about how nick handed a lot of stuff over to schmidt i feel like schmidt also plays a big part in that in their relationship because i feel like schmidt does run roughshod over nick in a lot of ways 
and but doesn't I, have also... confidence in Nick, which does not help with Nick's own. No, that that's true. That's absolutely true. That, that's one thing that if you are, I don't want to say confident, but if you feel that, you know what? Let, let me just back this all the way up because I think that Schmidt sees that Nick's going through stuff and his mm. response, he's a caretaker. He wants to take care of Nick and his way of doing it is like, I will take care of everything. You don't touch anything. Mm. And then that, that just becomes, you know, like not now that I've been doing this for so long, I don't want you to do anything because you're not going to do it the way that I've been doing it for the last five years. Right. You know, so well, and, and that hinders both of them. Yeah. It doesn't allow Nick to grow because he's never had to. Mm-hmm. You know, they've lived together for 10 years. Schmidt takes over everything. And I think you can really see a lot of it in the Tinfinity episode where Schmidt doesn't, Schmidt, Schmidt doesn't want to give Nick any responsibilities whatsoever. And that actually really hurts Nick's feelings, mm-hmm. except for the fact that Nick said, yeah, <laughs> let me help plan as a way to try and get out of helping to plan. Right. And Schmidt's like, I would love you to plan. And then gives him <laughs> balloons. Right. <laughs> And it's so and it's and it's so cyclical and it's so frustrating for me as someone who like loves them and it's all but it's funny it's hilarious that when Nick's upset that he gets balloons Schmidt gives him porta potties like there's nothing between <laughs> balloons and porta potties and Nick fucks nothing. it up so hard <laughs> like I don't understand I and that's one of the things that really irritates me about the whole thing is I don't understand why they would have Nick do that. Nick mm-hmm. knows that there's going to be a lot of people. He knows Schmidt. They've lived like he knows yeah. him. He knows that the monstrosity <laughs> that he brought is is nowhere near up to Schmidt standards. And I think that was one of those things where it's just reinforcing that Nick is completely incapable of doing anything and it really infantilizes him which is my biggest complaint as far as nick goes as a character is Mm -hmm. he's not allowed to grow like quote unquote by the writers he's not allowed to grow until like the very very end and it's always one step forward and two step backs like he's he becomes manager and owns the bar but then he does like i can't even remember the back and forth of that stuff but it's just anyway but we're talking about schmidt but 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 Schmidt doesn't have any faith in him. Mm-hmm. And and it's his own self-fulfilling prophecy, I think, in a lot of ways. This is where I talk about where Nick hands stuff over. I feel like that's how Schmidt wants it. And Schmidt thinks that he knows best for everybody. Him and Jess are a lot alike in this way, too. Though. Yeah. <laughs> he thinks he knows best for everybody. And rather than supporting them, he tries to shift them into what he thinks is best for them to do yes but at the same time i think that he is willing to learn he's more willing to right um like if you call him out on something i mean he will beat himself up about it oh yeah absolutely and and this isn't like i hate schmidt or anything i love schmidt i think he's fantastic i think he's a he's a great character but he's not without his flaws. He and Nick are really codependent on each other, yeah. especially when you see in the beginning. And they grow up, and I love watching them grow up within the show. And just side note, they're 40 and 41 now. Oh, my or, God. Yeah. They're babies. They're older than me. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, youth. Oh, 
the youth. Oh God! And when the young people move across <laughs> yes. the hall, oh, oh and they're my, trying. He to, is oh. so insufferable that yes. whole episode. He doesn't <laughs> listen to Jess mm-hmm. at all, and Jess has the in. Like yeah. they like Jess because Jess is a complete mess at the time, and Schmidt <laughs> likes to throw around his his wealth and his position, which these kids. Do not give a shit about. No, they're they're. Ugh, I hated that depiction of of those kids though, because like they were depicted as like quote unquote typical millennials. Mm-hmm. I just I hated everything about. It. But yeah, no, absolutely. And I love how they call like Nick and them was call Nick and them were calling them millennials. I'm like Nick, you're a fucking millennial too. <laughs> Sorry, we're geriatric millennials, but there it is. But you're still part 19, of it. So 1981 is a millennial. This is like this thing where like they're still calling teenagers millennials. It's like, mm, yeah, just on. say young people. You yes, like. I know. Millennials are, are hitting 40. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like Schmidt in the beginning, absolutely. Everything was about throwing around his money in lieu of mm-hmm. having a personality. Because I mean, like, that's all that, that he really thought he had going for him. When, when you have, and like this, I think is where the whole fatness thing comes in. Mm-hmm. Is because you've already deprived him as a child of of love and attention, and now you're going to portray him as as somebody who, in um, television's eyes, is not attractive. Right. You know. So according and to, and they're like Max Greenfield is too attractive. We right. have to do something. Let's tone it down. And to them, it means oh, if we make him fat, he won't be attractive, which is so disgusting. It's it's and also again, untrue. Fat shaming and fat phobia. And yes, absolutely. Because he's <laughs> cute no matter what you do to him because he's Max Greenfield. He's Max Greenfield. <laughs> But like th- that also plays into it. It's like he has gone so long thinking that he's unattractive, that he's unlikable, that he's this and that and the other. And once he achieves a certain level of physical beauty that he thinks is where he should be, and he achieves a level of material um, success that he thinks is a marker of somebody who is desirable, then he starts flaunting just that all over the place. He starts, he's, you know, taking off his shirt everywhere and he is throwing money around and buying all of these things that are just ridiculous and, you know, these expensive suits and talking about money all the time. And and it's, it, it just, it all comes down to the same thing that he's deeply insecure. And I think that as he yeah. becomes more secure as a person, those things start to, you know, fade into the background a little bit more. Even mm-hmm. f- before he ultimately ends up with Cece, he has already come a long way by that point. Because I don't think, I don't think it would have worked uh, with Cece at all if he hadn't if he hadn't gotten to that point where he was a, a the kind of person who could appreciate himself for who he was. Yeah, and we can thank Elizabeth. <laughs> yes, yes, and, and me- he thanked Elizabeth by cheating on her yeah. with Cece, and also oh. cheating on Cece, which I would argue is absolutely the lowest that Schmidt got in the mm-hmm. entire show. The beginning of the show, he was a douchebag who slept around a lot, but whatever. They were all consenting. They, there was no one was thinking it was anything that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But then he couldn't decide after he after he broke up Cece's wedding, yeah, which. Fine, she ultimately didn't want to get married either way, but and Chevron was married running away with Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Who 
which was so awesome. It was great. She was such a huge fan of the show. I love how so many people were such big fans of the show, and then they wound up doing little cameos or a whole episode like Prince. (laughs) But so he breaks up her wedding and then decides that... He loves both her and Elizabeth. First off, if you're with Elizabeth, why, what are you doing? If you're committed to your partner, what are you doing? And that mm-hmm. was shady enough. Like, that yeah. was that was crappy enough. But then to be like, well, I can't decide between these two women. And being honest with them, saying, hey, I can't decide. And putting it towards them of dating them both within their limits mm-hmm. until you can make a, make a choice... And I don't think either of them would have gone no. for it. But he, that would be the right thing to do. Yeah. And uh, what shows... Or make a fucking choice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and what shows often do, which is one of the things that I can't stand, is that when they decide that one of the romantic interests is no longer going to remain in the show, they make them unlikable in some way or another. And something that mm-hmm. is so completely out of character... That it makes no yeah. sense. And that's what they did with Elizabeth. And Elizabeth was so great. Like, I thought, I really... I don't think they made her unlikable. I never found her to be unlikable. Towards the end, I think they, they, they made her... Well, they made her really spiteful. Like, really, really spiteful. And I understand, you know, like that she would have been resentful. But I don't think she would have been like that either. Because I think... I, I really don't think that she would have... I... I don't know, because she was dating him in college before he lost the weight, and Mm -hmm. she was so accepting and loving of him. And that's just to prove the point that Schmidt being overweight doesn't mean he's undesirable. He had an awesome girlfriend, and his own shallowness and insecurities made him treat her like shit when he lost the weight. And I think she was really Mm -hmm. damn resentful of that. I think after that, and after he decides to barge back into her life... And get back together with her because he's on the rebound, basically, from Cece. Mm-hmm. And treat her like shit with all the stuff he did with Cece. And then cheat on her with Cece, which triggered her own insecurities. And she literally asked him if he still had feelings for her. And yes. he was like, no. And then for her to find out that he was cheating on her with Cece, unbeknownst to Cece. And I loved the fact that neither Cece or Elizabeth were jerks to each other. Yeah. I loved that because it would have been so easy for them to, because it's always like that. It's always yeah, being mad at the other woman. fight, you know, like yeah. whatever. But after that, I could see her being spiteful. After everything he put okay, her through that's the fair. first time, and then after, then to do this, when she mm-hmm. was happy with her life, yeah. before he came back into it and threw it all into this upheaval, I could 100% see and understand her being spiteful. And Schmidt deserved it. Schmidt deserved yeah. Everything he got from those two women. Yeah, because he was awful to them. He was that was and, terrible. And you know what? With with Elizabeth, like I really, I, I really liked her, and I think it's it's funny because to me, she had a better chemistry with Schmidt than Cece did. Like that was my personal opinion. I love Cece so much. I really, truly do. I love her and Schmidt together. They're one of my favorite ships. But I really enjoyed Elizabeth, and I think it's because Merritt Weaver is such a good actor. You know, like, she yeah. can... Oh, my gosh. In this and in, also in... um In the miniseries Unbelievable, she was so fantastic. And it's partly because she just f- feels so approachable. You know, she just mm-hmm. seems like... 
like such a cool person. I don't know what it is about her. But anyway, like I loved her and Schmidt together. I thought that they were great. I thought she was great on her own. And I was really incensed at the at what um Schmidt did to her and to Cece. I think also like it just really felt out of character for Schmidt. Because yeah. I really don't don't I, 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 I don't he's definitely a player, but I don't think he's cruel. And this was yeah. pretty cruel of him. Um, which just really felt really out there. Well, and then on top of that, when he was trying to keep Cece for, and Elizabeth from finding out, I mean, he told Cece that Nick was cheating on Jess. Mm-hmm. And that was, I thought that that's a whole other brand of just shitty. And you're right. I feel this was very out of character for Schmidt, but I don't, I feel like we can't not mention it because it was yeah. such a, such a huge thing in the show. And I think, I don't know what the writers were trying to do to, but, I don't understand why they wanted to make him unlikable. Yeah. It's almost like they're like, well, everyone likes Schmidt way too much. And the show's about Jess. So we better do something to really, to, to make people cool on Schmidt a little bit because he really was the most popular character. on the Yeah. Show. Him and Winston. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of, speaking of Winston, we got to get to good old, Good old Winnie here. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so yeah. Prank when- Sinatra. <laughs> okay, so when the show started and we had Coach, and we only got, like, what, like, one, one episode, episode of, of Coach. And let me just say that Damon Wins Jr. is so fantastic. He made such an impression that it was hard for me to remember that he was only in one episode before he came back. Because well, he went to go hang out with some other white people. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he took he took a multi season break to be to go be on happy endings before he came back. And I love that they worked that into the show. Though. Yeah, like, he moved to New York City to live with a bunch of other white people. I'm like, that's so funny. <laughs> um, but I think it really says a lot about his talent, and must also say something about his personality that they welcomed him back with open arms. But anyway, that's not who we're here to talk about. So then we come back. To this whole other character, you know, they, they had to replace a black dude with a black dude, I guess. Which... Played by Lamorne Morris. Very, very oh, well, very by good. the way. I'm sorry. Winston played <laughs> by Lamorne Morris. And at first, you know, it, it's the way that they wrote Winston was so subdued compared to Coach mm-hmm. that I think that Winston suffered by the comparison. And it wasn't really until like the end of season one where you started to really kind of like warm up to, to Winston. Mm-hmm. And that's when they started to make him more interesting in general. It was nothing <laughs> to do with the, with the acting. The acting was solid right. throughout, but it's just, you know, the, the, the writers were like, well, we kind of wrote this for Damon Wins Jr. And now there's this other black guy and we don't know what to do with him. So. Well, and- and I think what they were trying to do was have him be the straight guy, like obviously the straight man, not like not having anything to do with his sexuality, um, but have him be the straight man for the roommates. I think that when the, he initially came on, they're like, well, everyone's kind of wacky. We need maybe we need to balance this out. And that really didn't gel or fit well. Mm-hmm. And I also like to pretend that we as a viewing audience are kind of like Jess like Jess is our point of view and the more time she spends with these guys the more of their weirdness kind of comes through mm-hmm. and like 
I know the show didn't go that deep, but I like to pretend <laughs> that the, like, the longer we know them, the more weird shit we see from them. Yeah. But sorry, go ahead. No, it, yeah. it, but that's, that's a very good point. And I also think that, you know, all of these... Pe- okay, so the the guys being so weird themselves, especially with Nick and Schmidt's relationship... And like then just being, yeah, and then just being so weird. And then Nick and Winston's growing up together, backstory and all of that. And I think just as it is with anybody who lives together for a very long amount of time, you start to get really comfortable with each other to mm-hmm. the point where like you're just letting it all hang out. And so they finally let all of the weirdness <laughs> hang, hang out and it was perfect. And that's why, you know, like once Winston really embraces his full Winston Bishop weirdness, and you get to to know you get to really know him and really enjoy him because he's he's like the softest character on this show. He is just like a smushy goo ball of emotion yeah. and and love. Like he is just so full of love. And it doesn't hurt that he falls in love with a cat and rescues it from a really horrible <laughs> previous owner slash girl that he was seeing and dotes on this cat like <laughs> i love that he oh went from i'm God. gonna murder the cat to, <laughs> right to this cat being like weirdly his whole life yeah <laughs> it's like, like everything revolved around the cat <laughs> we think schmidt has an unhealthy attachment to nick and it's nothing compared to winston's attachment to ferguson yes oh my god talk about like wow it's an amazing amazing relationship and I also, you know, I, I was getting worried at first when they they couldn't seem to write a partner for for Winston. And I think this is something mm-hmm. that that particularly plagues black characters written by non-black writers, or even you know, like anybody who isn't white being written written by white people. And it's like, well, how do we what organically? Do you mean? Yeah, like, how do we organically come up with with a partner that makes sense for this person? It's like, uh, you did just fine with these other characters. Like, why is it so hard? Maybe if hire some more black people. But it wasn't really until, well, even before that, they had um, trans granddaughter or daughter? Granddaughter. Granddaughter. But that was Nick, yeah. Was oh you're right you're Nick right no so, so so not even that okay great great great, <laughs> great 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 cool 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 not even that so but yeah when Allie comes in you finally have somebody who appreciates all of these wonderful weird things that that make up Winston but but it comes solely into the show like honestly I'm like and then we but then we get to know Allie and she's so weird she too. Is, she's so weird and i love she's that everyone awesome. is a weirdo yeah like cc is a weirdo everybody is a weirdo everybody oh show. my and god and i love how it embraces that yes but i, I really you know nasim padrad is fantastic and i yes. wish that she were cast more things because she is truly she has like this this really grounded way about her and like that's why all of this weird comedy really plays Mm-hmm. So well with her because it just kind of seems to come out of nowhere. She, she's kind of like, she reminds me of Maya Rudolph in a way where she just seems yeah. like such a sensible person until you like, they start saying things and doing things. And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> she's also kind of scary. She is like, also kind of scary. In, in a hot way. Yes. But she's yes. she's kind of scary. But I think when it's really funny, and I think it's a, almost an unintentional meta moment with the writers in this show too, is when, as far as their inability to 
write people of color in a well-rounded way. And I and I do think Winston gets his char- gets some good character development. I think he is a well-rounded character and stuff like that. Um I think a lot of that is to do with Lamorne Morris. Yeah. Like honestly, but the episode where Schmidt sees Winston talking to a group of black people at the bar. Yeah. And he so overcompensates and then just believes whatever bullshit Winston tells him because mm-hmm. he just he's oh god he just wants to be this ally like so bad he and it's just the it's just wrong mm-hmm. i the way he goes about it is just so wrong and so centering it's just it's a whole mess because who why is he gonna believe that winston smokes crack with his grandma <laughs> and his mom and her mom and her mom and her mom and her mom like winston grew up with nick how do you like i know like how do you not how would this never have come this. up? Right. Him, him and seven generations of women <laughs> that came before him all smoking crack on the front stoop. But when, but Schmidt, and and I think it speaks a lot to Schmidt's just general goodness, and but ignorance yeah. about it and not really educating himself about Winston. And mm-hmm. I think it's Schmidt's not taking the time to get to know Winston because they always have, and, and I like that it addresses that they always had Nick there as kind of the buffer but I feel like that episode really kind of writes is is really meta for the writers. Yeah. But I thought that was actually a really interesting episode because it's super problematic. Schmidt is really problematic in that episode. Yeah. But you're able to forgive him because we know enough about Schmidt to know like where it's coming from. But his insistence that Winston wears a Rastafarian hat and his insistence like Winston's like, I want to eat Indian and Schmidt's like, no, you're going to go get your stuff for your people. Collard green. and it, And it's it's completely racist, mm-hmm. but and it's something that I thought it was really interesting in a way to call out this quote unquote friendly racism that allies have, especially like white liberals. Even though Schmidt's not a liberal, don't right. don't you dare say that to Schmidt. <laughs> but like this idea of of these stereotypes, but they're good. Like he's they're good stereotype, and it. <sighs> It was really uncomfortable to watch in a lot of ways, but I think it's supposed to be uncomfortable because yeah. it's so bad. And Winston's like, this is bullshit. Like, all right. of this. But then he lets Schmidt in so much. But I also think that, like, I don't know that the that that was intentional of the, of the writers. Oh, I don't no, think I don't think it was at all. I think, it I just... think that this is just them. Like, this yeah. is through their eyes mm-hmm. that, that we're doing this. So it's like, it kind of calls out... But but it's true, like, all of this, like, white liberalism thing and, like, the, the tendency especially for white people to center themselves when they're talking about BIPOC or just any – anybody who is part of a majority and mm-hmm. who is talking about a marginalized group. And they're trying to, like – to they're trying to, like, be, I don't know, sensitive and kind and good allies and whatever. But then they just come out looking more like douchebags because it's, like – so this is about you, not about the people you're talking about. Cool. Okay, this is fantastic. I love it. Yeah. And I and yeah, to be clear, I don't think the writers were like, this is gonna be bad. I just thought it was an unintentional situation yeah. of self-calling out because Schmidt has decided that he knows better than Winston does about Winston's blackness. Oh, that's one of those things that like, And to get have me. him call out was yes. awesome. Yeah, no, I, I love I love being able to look at it that way in yeah. reverse because 
from the writing forward. That's not what they intended. But it, it is true. There, there are <laughs> there are just like there's just way too many instances in my personal life yeah. of of people telling me about my people and who I should identify with and like how they know better than me about whatever. So like, but yeah, so I, I I think I, so like one last thing that I want to touch on is how much I love his relationship with Cece. Yes. And how that friendship became one of my favorite parts of the entire show. Because Winston CC mess around. Yes. Like, (laughs) I love that one of them is, you know, like, uh, they end up on a mattress together and they're both kind of sweaty and they're like, oh, you know, I have to get going because Schmidt's going to find out where I am or whatever. (laughs) And it's just that they flipped the mattress. (laughs) <laughs> they just really love flipping a mattress and the thing that was like and Allie was so pissed because <laughs> she's pregnant and she doesn't want to be treated like a pregnant person you flipped the mattress without me <sighs> okay no I I really I love Winston and I, I think it is really interesting that all these men have father issues and Winston seems to deal with his in the healthiest way I yeah. suppose although when he thought that guy was his dad <laughs> oh god that's so much no i i love how weird he is but again it's one of those like do i want to have that be my life well do you want to live in constant fear of prank sinatra either going too big or too small he can always go too small like yeah that's fine i will pretend It'll be like when, like with your three, with a three-year-old. I will right. pretend that he got me so good every time with the small ones because the big ones are absolutely terrifying. Yes, the like, whole thing I, with with the eviction. Oh my god, that was amazing, and I refuse to believe that was anything other than Winston being like, "You guys need to move on with your lives." <laughs> That was his best prank. I'm sorry. That, it really that was. was so much better than releasing Bucky Badger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> into the fence, which it was I amazing. It was so elaborate. It was so elaborate. And I really liked that, that they brought back a couple of, of, of characters to shoot, to um, have them participate. Yeah. That was, all of that. That was, uh, yeah, I thought that, that it was a really good job. I love Though, when it comes down to it, yes, Winston is very weird. He has a lot of really weird quirks and tendencies. But you know what he also has that it seems like Schmidt and Nick are usually lacking? is some fucking sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when Nick and Schmidt are... I, their dynamic of the three of them is so interesting and good because I don't think any of them would work without all of them. Yeah. Like, they are all... They are a unit together. When... When Schmidt's upset that Nick, or when Nick's weirded out by Schmidt getting in the cookie. Yeah. Honestly, that's probably my fav- one of my favorite episodes of the entire thing, especially just for these three. Because it speaks to how they receive and give love so much. Nick does not understand. He doesn't understand. because I feel like so many of his relationships are always so transactional. He doesn't yeah. comprehend that someone would do something for him just to be nice. And that's heartbreaking. <laughs> like when he does the I give you cookie, you give me cookie, I got you cookie, and he's starting <laughs> to cry. It like broke my heart because it he's so repressed in so many ways. Yeah. But Winston being the mediator in this situation, and when Winston is like, he just loves you and you don't 
he just loves you and you just refuse to just let him love you. And and I understand Nick's point point of view where Nick's just like, it's too much. I'm going to let him down. I'm going to mess this up. And I just, I thought, I, I think their friendships are all so beautiful. And I think this really highlights Winston's role in this group because he's there for Schmidt. 100%. Right. He's supporting Schmidt. He's there willing to like hug him and speak for Schmidt when Schmidt won't talk to Nick anymore. <laughs> and he's also there to like talk sense into Nick when Nick is being an idiot. He does the same thing when Nick is freaking out about Jess when mm-hmm. at the wedding when Nick wants to call it with Jess, which also the end of that was pretty hot with Nick too. Like I love <laughs> I love these the moments. I love these little moments and then he gets all weird again in Mexico cuz he's an idiot. Right. Um but when Winston is just like first of all, Winston slaps him and tells him do not mess with our roommate. Do not shit where you eat. <laughs> Yes, from the beginning, he's he's like, hey. He's, yeah. But then when it's like very clear that they're into each other and this is something that's going on, he encourages it. He is there for both of them. I love how they handled the breakup with all of the roommates. Like all yeah. of them were like, we love both of you so much. And it was weird and awkward for everyone. And no one else in the loft wanted the two of them to get together. I love how they, they did that. But Winston, as soon as he's like, okay, this is going to happen. He's one who spurs nick to go after to go after jess and he's just really supportive and loving and and caring and of the three even with all of his weird cat quirks and the <laughs> creepy mural situation <laughs> that we didn't even get into and i don't know if i can there's a reason i didn't touch on it it's because yeah. I, I i can't even i can't even i can't even he winds up of the four of them being the most grounded and the most grown up and and weirdly mature because he's like I have my weirdness but that's not going to stand in my way of getting a job and and becoming a police officer and he's focused and has a lot of ambition finding someone who complements his weirdness with her own weirdness yeah and and who deals with his weird pranks <laughs> And and I just, I love it. I think it's just, I think he's so adorable. And I also, and the funeral for Ferguson, though. I can't oh believe we God. haven't talked about that. It, I hope to God he dies before Allie, because... <laughs> he will not just, be able to handle himself. No, there's there's no way. I love, but I also love that he's like, he decided Ferguson's Jewish. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it is so silly but it also is so it feels really real these guys are yeah. all very big weirdos but it they don't feel outlandish like i mean they're absolutely outlandish. they're outlandish but they, but they they feel but it's very grounded in in reality and it's balanced like they they all balance each other out in different ways but yeah anyway We've got on for over an hour now. <laughs> Son oh, of a bitch. Be a brief little. A no, brief I said little either it would be brief or it would take forever, okay? <laughs> I don't know why you thought it would be brief. You're hilarious. Oh my God. Because I didn't think, I don't think we're going to fight too much, but I don't know. So it didn't I even have to hear... be about the fight. It had to be about our gushing with the characters. I know. It. You know, when we do Jess and other characters, it'll be a shorter episode. That's true. That's like, true. Let's be honest. The, these three were the reason I watched this show. 
Like, and I, I don't have anything against Zoe Deschanel or anything like that, but they were the reason I watched the show. Their friendship was just so well done and such a healthy, non-toxic male friendship mm-hmm. between the three of them. Which, especially considering all the other toxic shit this show did, yeah. um, was really impressive. Yeah. There was no gross homophobia between any of them. There, there was, was light. No... There was light. Oh, there was. On, on next part. Yeah. On next part in particular. Because never with Schmidt, but definitely Nick every now and then, you'd be like, bro. And I don't, yeah. There was a little bit of no homoing, but it. Like at, at, it, the, at, the, at the, the wedding at the hospital. When the the minister is like, oh, I'm so excited to to marry the two of you. And Schmidt's like, oh, thank you. And Nick's like, what? Gross. No, I'm marrying a girl. But anyway, so moving on to our choice. But how much of that is Nick B not wanting to marry Schmidt? (laughs) And they had, like, Nick, Schmidt does call him out on that. He's like, I'd be honored to marry you. Right. What is the matter with (laughs) But Nick is the one who kisses Schmidt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, that's true. There you go. Anyway, so let's start with what are you doing? What was your decisions? And we're going to be brief about it. Okay, so here we go. Very briefly, I'm going to bed Schmidt, wed Winston, and behead Nick. What about you? Interesting. Interesting. I decided that I was going to bed Schmidt. I love Schmidt. I cannot live with that man. <laughs> I love him. Wed Winston. What? And really, really <gasps> sad, but behead Nick. Oh my god! I know. I love Nick, but I had to sit down and think about it and just be like, I do not want to raise Nick. <laughs> That's true. And the more I thought about it, because Schmidt is too anal, he's too, he's too type A for me. <laughs> I, was gonna I say would too, be too what, Meg? anal retentive i would be stressed out our entire marriage like, no i'm I, just thinking of since he chose to to bed him i'm like oh well that's, that's yeah. something off the table <laughs> wink wink, wink, wink. <laughs> um and winston is just he's just right <laughs> he is the one i i feel like i could i could help him with his pranks Yes, we could, we could have fun. You, you could make them smaller. Than, you could make them I the right size. I would never sleep after having a child. Yes, like until it was named <laughs> Dan Bill. Dan Bill Bishop. <laughs> oh my god, that was awful. Um, so, judging by reaction, I I am shocked. Is the reaction because I so was... I'm gonna guess how you're guessing. I'm assuming your guessing was wrong. <laughs> My guessing was dead wrong. I was absolutely sure that the first thing that you were gonna do was wed Nick, and then I thought that you would bed Winston, and I was like, you're just gonna end up beheading Schmidt. And I am so happy to be incorrect, Meg. I am so happy. So I changed my mind a few times, but marrying Nick was never was never going to be the choice. And it kills me because I do love the character so much. He is... He's... I have a soft spot for characters like Nick with the daddy issues and not having their shit together and being really kind of self-sabotaging and and then figuring it out and growing up. But we didn't get to see enough of Nick growing up. Yeah. And even at the end, when it's three years later and he hasn't gotten his shit together to propose to Jess, like, even that is like, really? You sent her ring in the mail? From Turkey. 
Like <laughs> you got the blessing from the dad, and the dad's all ready, and you're not ready, and like six months later, get over yourself. It's a whole mess. Um, I got you slightly wrong. I knew you were gonna behead Nick. Like that was. I knew you were gonna behead Nick. I was like, there's a zero percent chance she is giving up Schmidt or Winston for Nick. She. None, none chance. Um, but I had you wedding Schmidt and betting Winston. And you know what? I can I can see that because I love Schmidt so much. I mean, Schmidt is absolutely my favorite on the show. You would not be nearly as stressed or anxious, I think, as I am with Schmidt running the house. No, I would be fine with it because yeah. that's that's a load off my back and my mind. So yes, my beloved, yeah. have at it. But but. It's just honestly the, the the neediness that I just couldn't yeah. deal with. He's a bit he's a bit too clingy, but he like, and I think so much of it is we really don't. One thing we don't see from Nick that we get to see with both Winston and Schmidt, and it's just because of a timing thing. Is we both see Winston and Schmidt as husbands and fathers. True. Yeah. And so you're able to see that growth that we don't really get to see with Nick. Like, we can tell by the end he's grown up, he has a kid, and, you know, they're all still playing. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. We see that for a brief second, but we have a long time to see Schmidt as a husband and a father, which is how I know I could not, I couldn't live. Oh, God. This is the- <laughs> you watched like the third plan. birthday party and you were like, nope. I like to plan and I like to schedule stuff, and I feel like Schmidt and I would. I just- think that is whether that is what comes what it comes down to is that you you love doing as much as you complain about it. Sometimes you love I, I doing love to it. Do it, and so does he. And then you can't really have two people who both love that. And one thing that that I want to yeah. point out is that it, it's it's not that we're saying that people aren't complete and that we can't mm-hmm. see them as complete unless they're married. And right. their parents. That's not at all it. But Nick is still very much childish. He's an unbaked until, cookie. He's an unbaked at, cookie all the way. Five years old. Yeah, all the way through to the end of the show. And mm-hmm. the reason that um, that Schmidt and Winston become baked cookies isn't because they're husbands and and. Right. And fathers, it's because they have, according to sitcom rules, reached that level of maturity where they can be responsible. Right, right. They become husbands and fathers because sitcom rules they dictate re- that you that you don't get to reach that we- level until you've yeah. matured. Exactly. That's yeah. that's how that's how they become. But we get and and it is true. We get to see that. I don't know what, what my thoughts would be. If we actually saw Nick as an active husband and father, just because. Right. And we are playing Bedwetter Behead. Like, we have to be married to this person forever. <laughs> and up until the very end, Nick was sitting around with his totally full glass of milk in his bedroom. Yeah. That he forgot about. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like, so and, I, and but I, I just, I just want, I just want people to understand that. We're not putting down singlehood or no, absolutely non, not. You know, the choice to not marry or to not have children in the least. But when we're talking about television shows and the way that they present adulthood mm-hmm. and the way that they write adulthood as, you know, reaching maturity as a reward or no, no, wait a second. Um, as a reward. What? What? No, no. no. Th- that this they- is my reward? <laughs> <laughs> bitch. 
bills and taxes and bills? mortgage? Gross. <laughs> I reject it. No, but but that, that they treat, you know, quote unquote, happily ever after as a reward for maturity. And often mm-hmm. uh, characters who are not, who haven't reached the level of maturity don't get that supposed reward. And I think that that's changed a lot since then. But certainly, mm-hmm. at least at that point in television, that's definitely still in play. Right. Well, and and as according to that quote unquote reward, Nick does get that quote like they marry, yeah. they have kids and stuff like that. We just don't see it play out except for that brief moment when when we see all of them. In and that I flash really forward. appreciate that, really that the well flash forward was really short because yeah. I I really I don't really enjoy flash forwards that take up the entire episode. Yeah, because it just feels disingenuous. But anyway, so Meg, tell us our final judgment. I know we don't even. There's no fighting. There's no arguing. It's just Carla <laughs> dying of shock. Um, <laughs> we're gonna bed Schmidt. We're gonna wed Winston, and and I'm actually really sad that we're beheading <laughs> Neg. I'm not as sad as Dean Winchester's beheading. <laughs> But I am sad because I do love the character and I have a little bit of a crush on Jake Johnson. So <laughs> that tracks. He wears a lot of flannel. Well, it just it, in, in some ways, physically, he reminds me of Marty a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A um, little bit. A <laughs> little bit. A little bit, damn Bill. Uh, so <laughs> until next week, I'm Meg. And I'm Carla. And we're, we're the boobs. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Bed Wed Behead. We'd love to hear from you. We are open to suggestions for more character trios, to your feedback. And in lieu of a celebratory bottle of wine, we also accept praise and adulation. You can find us on Twitter at BedWedBeheadPod, through our Instagram, bed.wed.behead.pod, on Facebook at BedWedBeheadPod, and you can also send us an email. That's BedWedBeheadPod at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please leave a rating and subscribe to BedWedBehead on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pod on. And don't forget to share us on your favorite social media. Thanks. Bye.